0: Thanks, Gene. So as we've heard from Mike and Marianne about the work in Uganda through Che and uh, some of those other ministries, let's continue to pray for them. We have heard this pattern. What is it? To hear and to pray. So let's uh, continue to commit to doing that um, ourselves. We're going to hear a little bit about how we can do that here um, as, uh, as individuals and corporately. So uh, again, good to hear from Rita and Mike and Marianne. Uh, before I do my talk... Um, I just, wanna, I just wanna clarify, you're gonna hear me use the term missionary, and you're gonna hear me use the term international worker. Those are interchangeable, all right? In my head, that, that's the, kind of the nomenclature that we use. Um, there, are, there are places that the, the Christian and Missionary Alliance are sending people where you can't call them missionary because you start you calling them that, uh, and they're gonna be sent home. So we call them international workers, but those two terms are interchangeable. Uh, let's pray before we, we dig into the word. Father, again, just uh, thank you for this time, thank you for, for those who have shared, and thank you for, for prayer. Um, be with us now as we look to see um, what, your, what the, the pattern that you have given us personally as believers for our own lives, spiritually, uh, how we are to conduct ourselves in our day to day as it relates to global missions. Uh, we lift this up to you and ask that you bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today is a Missions Focus Sunday, um, but our hope is to bring missions to the fore uh, throughout the course of the year, so we don't need to have these Missions Focus Sunday because um, every Sunday or every you know, few Sundays, you're going to be hearing about uh, missions, global missions, uh, local missions, and, uh, and what, what God is doing in the world. Now, for those of you who don't know, we are part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Okay? The Christian and Missionary Alliance. So it will come as no, no surprise to you that being missional or the, the work of global missions is very much a part of our DNA. Uh, we are founded on the principle that we as believers are co-laborers with Christ, that we are co-laborers with Christ, that when God adopted us into his family, when he said, you there, you there, come into my family, and he called us his own, In that same way, we are part of the work that he is doing in the world. The the, the work that Christ has done for all of us, we take part in it. And so we are co-laborers with him as part of of his mission in the world. Uh, His mission in the world then is our mission. His mission is our mission, both on a corporate level as a church, okay, here as a local congregation, but worldwide as well, but individually, we all have a part in the mission that God calls us to. His mission is our mission, because God's heart is there. God's heart is for the redemption of humanity. God's heart is to call people from afar and bring them near to Himself, that they can have eternal life, salvation through the, the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. This is what God desires for you personally and for everyone in the world, that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life, through all that would come to repentance. So God's heart beats strong for global missions. And to know God is to have his heart. To know God is to have his heart. And we talked a little bit, we touched on this last week when we talked about sanctification. That, that, pro, that progress or the, uh, the process of sanctification is the way the, the believer, when we come into God's family, to be made Uh, more like him, to be conformed more to the image of his son, which is to to have his heart more and more, to love the things that he loves, to hate the things that he hates. And so this going God's way as legitimate children of God to, to be followers of Jesus Christ is to be on mission with him, to have a heart for the things that he has a heart for in the world, which is to see everyone come to repentance, to see everyone come into the fold those who would profess God, profess Christ as Lord. Uh, J.I. Packer, who's a theologian and a writer, he, about 20 years ago, I I first encountered his book, Knowing God. I think many of you would probably have read it at some point. There was this sentence that he, he said that has stuck with me for the last 20 years. He says this, he says, the believer is and must be emotionally involved in the victories and vicissitudes of God's cause in the world the believer must be emotionally involved in the victories and vicissitudes of God's cause in the world. What excites God ought to excite us, okay? What um, angers God ought to anger us. And what what is God excited about? He's excited when people come to know him. What is he angry about? He's angry when that word is stopped and, and we're not doing that. So where is God in this? We want to have God's heart. If you love God, you are going to love the things he loves. There's really no negotiating that. Think about the relationships that you're in, the love relationships that you're in. I talk, I talk to my kids. My kids love loom bands. How many of your kids love loom bands? Do you know what I'm talking about? This, I'm not the only one, guys. Come on. If you have a child between the ages of birth And like 14, okay, you know what loom bands are. Now, because my kids are excited about loom bands, I'm excited about loom bands. I know it's crazy. I spent three hours making a loom band shark for my son. Who does that? But when you love someone, you are excited about the things they're excited about. And you love the things that they love. It is no different with God. He loves the world so much that he sent his only son. We too ought to love the world if we say we love him. And so that is what it is to have God's heart. If you'll turn to me to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 2, this is where we're going to look at the text. Luke, the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 2, you can turn, you can, uh, not turn if you don't have a Bible, but if you have a Bible, turn to it. If not, just turn on your smartphone, scroll to it, which is what, will be, what you can do. We're going to look at this, and this is uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It's a very interesting time because he's done about a bunch of teaching, and he says after this, he does something really neat. After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as it pertains to world missions, we see a a certain pattern here. Number one, Jesus appoints those to go ahead of him. He sends them, okay? So all the international workers that are working with the Christian Missionary Alliance, they have all been sent. There is a rigorous process by which they go through in order to be sent, But there is indeed, mark my words, ascending. There is a call. There is a sense that they are going to go. And what are they going to do? They are going before Christ to prepare the way for him. Because, mark my words, Christ is going to those places. And he is simply saying, go ahead of me where I am about to go and proclaim my name. So Christ appoints people the same way that we commission, and you're going to hear from Mary Lou and Sharif in a moment, commission people to, and send them out into the world to do the work the same way that Christ has sent people out to do the work ahead of him, where he himself is about to go to proclaim his coming. And he says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Brem France, who is the vice president of Global Ministries for the Christian and Missionary Alliance, he says this. He says we are in an area of un, an era of unprecedented opportunity. We are in an era of unprecedented opportunity, but we are seeing a decrease in the number of workers, full-time workers, we're sending into the field. When Mary Lou and Sharif and I got together on Monday to talk a little bit about um, what's going to happen up here on stage a little later, uh, Sharif was uh, telling me about just In his part of the world, in Egypt, in in the Middle East, um, this Islamic part of the world, where there's there's unrest, there is a spiritual disillusionment even, and there's just an openness of Muslims to hearing um, something other than what they've been taught. And so there's this this appetite for something, for, for a new and better way. And so there is this opportunity out there. The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. So what is our response to that? Jesus says, pray then, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out. Right now, there are about 440 Christian and Missionary Alliance churches in Canada. 440. Currently, we have 210 international workers being sent by the Christian and Missionary Alliance. There is less than one international worker for every two churches in Canada. Now, I don't know about you, but to me there's something wrong with that equation. There's something wrong with that equation. Uh, the Christian Immigration Alliance. The, we are committed to reaching the least reached people groups. So, anywhere in the world where less than two percent of the population um, knows Jesus in a personal way, that is where we're sending people. That is where we are focusing our energies. So, friends, pray earnestly. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And we're trying to model that today, the way that we've been praying, um, the way we prayed for Rita, the way we prayed for the Boddings. We are trying to model this. Hear about the work and pray. Pray earnestly. God's heart is there. And he wants to mobilize people. And that takes prayer on the part of all of us. And the funny thing is that, um, you know, out of all of you here, out of all of you here, chances are very few of you um, will be called to a life of full-time missions. That's just not going to happen for you, okay? Um, Most of you probably don't want it, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But you do not need to be called in any way in order to join in the work through prayer. Prayer is just the baseline of what it is that we can do to participate in the work of global missions. You don't need to go overseas to participate in global missions. You don't even need to leave your home. All you have to do is get on your knees and participate through prayer. Lift up the needs. So we're going to we're gonna try to do that as a church. We're going to try to keep you informed. We're going to try to bring to your attention the things that we need to pray about around the world, that God is doing, okay? So I'm gonna ask you, if we commit to inform you, will you commit to pray? Can we do that together as a church? Can I get an amen? Thank you. Pray, hear and pray. That is what we're gonna do. Bayview Glen has a rich history of being ascending church. Since we joined the the Christian Missionary Alliance, we have faithfully championed global missions. We have, as a church, mobilized missionaries, mobilized international workers. Uh, A couple weeks back, uh, Jerry and Dorothy Hogenberg were here. They are homegrown missionaries. Jerry was the first youth pastor of Bayview Glen Church. He used to live on a dilapidated house that was on this property uh, before um, before before they renovated the whole place. And, um, and so he was the first one. Uh, Dorothy, just uh, her parents grew up here and faithful member of, of Bayview Glen. Uh, Jerry and Dorothy are now uh, regional developers uh, for the Silk Road region uh, and, and making a huge impact for the kingdom. Um, who else have we mobilized? Uh, we've mobilized people like uh, Warren and Debbie Reeve. Uh, Warren is uh, a pastor in Kuwait at the International Church and in the Lighthouse Church there. Uh, people like uh, Keith and Barb Murley, who, as, uh, you know, after retiring from the teaching profession, spent many years in Russia ministering uh, to the people there as, as, a, as a call, as, a, um, as an act of obedience to where God was leading them to world missions. And so Bayview has this heritage of being a sending church, but that, that has waned in recent years, um, and we hope to be able to do something about that. Uh, we've been faithful in our missions giving giving to the global advance fund which um, supports all of our missions workers around the world Uh, many of you have been very faithful to missions giving so thank you for that Um, we have a women's missionary prayer group that has been meeting faithfully every single week um, for I, i don't even know how long but they pray every week through all of the needs of our missionaries um, and of our international workers. A, a group of, of faithful women that have been doing that, uh, just so encouraged um, uh, by their commitment to praying for world missions, something that we can all participate in. So what ultimately is the goal here? What are we trying to accomplish here at Baby Glen as it pertains to world missions? As it pertains to each and every one, how is it relevant to each and every one of us personally? we want to increase our mission-mindedness. And so basically what that means is that as you go about your daily life, as you live out your lives more authentically for Christ day by day, that um, God's mission in the world will come into your consciousness, all right? Will come into your mind more and more often. That your mind will be turned to think of those things, okay? And so we as a church commit to informing you about that. We would love to increase mission-mindedness on all levels, okay? So... The, the highest level, if, if I can use a scale, although it's not, you know, I mean, it's all participation. But um, on one end, we want to see people sent, okay? And so I'm going to say this. If you've ever had an inclination, if, if, if God has ever stirred in your heart in any way, shape, or form, say, you should try missions, I would say don't squash that, okay? Don't dust it under the rug. Pray about it. Seek God's will in that, all right? The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. We want to send you into the field if God is moving in your heart that way. Um, if you're not sure where to start, come and talk to me. I would love to help you out. Just give me a call um, here at the, the church. Send me an email love to walk you through that process of just kind of discovering if that is where God is leading you. Um, locally, a bunch of different ways that you can participate locally, Um at a through our, our um, uh, food and clothing drives, um, Toronto Alliance Church, we go there on every fifth Saturday when there is a fifth Saturday in the month uh, to support their um, community, uh, community dinner that they have for the um, kind of the down and outs in downtown Toronto, um, ESL program, uh, a great way if you have a teaching gift, you want to be involved in that, uh, we have over three 300 300 people sign up for ESL, and we are teaching them with the biblical curriculum, uh, which has been great and seeing a lot of people, a lot of fruit coming out of that ministry. So there's a lot of different ways that you can participate locally in in, in missions as well. Um, You can do that through giving, through your finances, again, through your regular giving. Uh, And then lastly, of course, through prayer. Um, If I can emphasize anything today, and if you have not already heard it, it is pray, 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 pray earnestly for the work. Now, we have, a, we have a missions committee, and this missions committee, again, has been very faithful in, in trying to bring to the fore um, the idea of missions. However, um, you know, not just here at Bayview Glen, but really across this continent, um, interest in missions has, has begun to wane. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how do we How do we reorganize ourselves? How do we restructure ourselves in a way that will facilitate missions-mindedness here at Bayview? And so what we're doing is we're changing some of the things that we are doing, okay? Now let let, let me assure you that we are changing our organization. We're not changing the way we dispense with our funds, okay? Um, that's not happening. So, uh, you know, if you give to our missions, all right, um, the same portion that goes to the Global Advance Fund will continue to go to the Global Advance Fund. Okay, this is simply a reorganization in structure, uh, a reorganization in function. So, there's three ways that we're doing that. One, uh, we're going to continue to advise the pastoral staff on how to dispense with the missions budget. All right, pretty, pretty simple stuff. And the two really new ways that we're we're starting to develop is in the area of short-term missions. Now, I'm looking out here, and I can see the faces of many of you who yourselves have engaged in short-term missions on your own initiative. Um, As a church, we just want to acknowledge that and thank you um, for walking in obedience with God. I I can't name all of you. I don't want to miss miss any of you. But you know who you are, and I'm just so grateful for all of you for for heeding God's call to go into the world to do the work that he has called you to. Um, But we, as a church's baby, we want to start developing and creating our own short-term missions opportunities for the expressed purpose of introducing you to the idea of missions and helping you to explore uh, the, pros- the possibility and the s- prospect of becoming career missionaries, career international workers. So we're in the process of building a team that will help facilitate that process for us to, uh, to start creating um, and to um, executing on short-term missions trips. And the last thing is um, the way we connect with our international workers. Uh, And so we want to have a deeper, uh, more holistic relationship with all of our workers, a more uh, consistent relationship with our workers where we um, are praying for them, where we are hearing from them, and we are supporting them. Uh, the Christian and Missionary Alliance has a mechanism to do that, and it's called Seamless Link. Uh, and what the Seamless Link is, is really a covenant between the international worker and the church. And so these two parties come together, and they covenant with one another and say, the church is going to support you, the international worker, by praying for you, um, by supporting you financially, okay, um, by connecting with you on a regular basis, and by sending people to visit you. Uh, and so um, we are in the process of solidifying that kind of relationship with uh, Sharif and Mary Lou, who we have commissioned. Uh, and then moving forward in September, we are going to have a seamless link covenant with them. But we desire for this with, for all of our, our workers to connect with them in a deeper way so you know what is happening with them in the world. So we're not just hearing from the Bodings, you know, once, uh, once a year through a video. But we're hearing from them uh, more and more throughout the year and praying for them um, both corporately and personally. So um, without further ado, I want to invite Mary Lou and Sharif up. And uh, we're going we're gonna to kick off. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and come up. Uh, let's give them a hand as they, uh, as they join me on the stage here. There you go. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Sharif. Go ahead and have a seat. So our, our hope is um, to be able, again, just to con- continue to connect with uh, uh, Sharif and Mary Lou. Sharif, when we uh, commissioned you guys in January, I was, uh, my heart was so blessed by it. And I, I remember um, even, you, you know, the text that you quoted from that, the, that the, cr- the love of Christ is what compels you, what constrains you, because what other than God's love could lead you to do a crazy thing, like move to the Middle East, you know, from... from uh, you know, post-retirement when you really should be just enjoying your life, right? Um, but but God has led you there. So, why don't you remind us a little bit of of um, what God
1: has led you guys to do in Egypt? Okay, thank you very much, Kevin, for uh, this opportunity to uh, to talk to you and to the congregation for a few minutes. Um, well, uh, the the Lord is good, and uh, you mentioned uh, the Merleys. You know, they're they're a great uh, role model and example to us. Uh, in their uh, retirement, they, they went off to Russia, as you say. So um, the Lord, through a process, led uh, Mary Lou and I to uh, take early retirement from my work at Sunnybrook and to uh, go through this um, process you talked about, becoming, <laughs> becoming accredited uh, missionaries with the Alliance, which is actually uh, quite a good process and a, a careful process. Anyways. So what are we doing in Egypt? We, uh, we are there to train young Christian surgeons. Um, just as a bit of a background to that, because some people may think uh, Egypt is an advanced country, and it is. Uh, why do you need somebody from Canada to go and, de- and develop Christian surgeons? Well, uh, there is uh, a built-in systemic discrimination against uh, Christians uh, to go into the higher levels of the uh, medical and surgical profession. And because of that, um, the uh, Christian hospitals, uh, there were many, there used to be many Christian hospitals Mm -hmm. in Egypt, they have been dying. The Christian Mm -hmm. hospitals are dying. And the Christian hospitals, as you will hear in a moment, play a very, very important role in the uh, evangelization of of the of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were invited by an organization uh, after we were uh, uh, accredited by the CNMA. We were invited by an organization called PACS B A A C S Pan African Academy of Christian Surgeons, and that's basically an organization of Christian surgeons who um, their goal is to train. African all across Africa including Egypt a lot of people don't realize Egypt <laughs> is actually in Africa, but um, to train uh, African surgeons to stay in Africa because as you probably know if you bring African surgeons or Egyptian surgeons like me, and you put them in Canada They never go back <laughs> so So the idea is to train them where they are and keep them where they are mm. uh, and so we've been invited to go back and participate in that and um
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 that's that's great. Um so you mentioned, you know, you're working with a Christian hospital. Um so what what is it what is it about a witness of a Christian hospital that you can't get in a witness in a Christian
1: church in that part of the world? Okay, I'm gonna let Mary Lou answer that one.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, we all want to bring our friends to church. Uh but uh, in Egypt, it's a it's a very different story. It's a, an Islamic country, and um, uh, and and so Bishop Munir, as the Anglican bishop of the hospital where we are, it's an Anglican hospital. Um, he says that um, I think you can say it better than me, Sharif. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, Bishop Bishop Munir is is an amazing, uh, wonderful uh, leader of the Anglican Church there. And the first time we went to Egypt in 2013, uh, he made this statement, which is uh, really very profound but very true. He said, Muslims will never enter a Christian church, but Muslims will happily enter a Christian hospital. Mm -hmm. So the Christian hospitals are really the main uh, means of evangelism Mm -hmm. in Egypt. Uh, People will go to a Christian hospital, they will encounter Christian surgeons and nurses, and they will see the love of Christ in action. And through that, uh, through a process, of course, they will come to know Christ. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So uh, as a result of that, uh, it is just fine to have Bibles and Christian literature, to have uh, large television screens in the waiting room areas that are scrolling um, parts of the Jesus film, a scripture, um Music, uh, whatever that's—it's okay in that particular place, and and so also important is personal relationships, very vital one-on-one. Um, that is the best witness, really.
0: Hmm. Great. Now, when, I, when we met together on Monday, I mean, I was uh, as listening to you. I was I don't know what compelled me to ask the question, really, but I know that with, in, in my own experience, you know, when, when God calls you to something, you kind of go in with some expectation, but then God tends to just kind of blow that all out of the water, does things beyond you can ask or imagine. So um, tell us a little bit about that experience for you in Egypt.
1: Uh, okay. Well, uh, the first time, I, I should just, uh, if I may, back up a little bit. Uh, I came to Canada in 1970. I never had any desire to go back to Egypt for complex reasons, Uh, and I never did for 43 years, which is a lifetime. Uh, For 43 years, I never went back and had no desire to go back. But uh, God called us to go back, so we went back uh, in 2013 for the first time. and. I looked at the hospital where the Lord had called us to go and work and I said Lord why are you calling me here this is terrible like I I don't know if I can work here Uh, I mean the the equipment is and so on but you know it becomes a question of obedience anyways we went back the following year and and I really wasn't um, expecting too much but God is good God is faithful and God uh, as it says in uh, Ephesians can provide Abundantly more than we can even dare to ask or dream of. And the Lord has provided in two ways uh, far more than we had uh, ever thought possible, uh, both in terms of resources and in terms of personnel or people. Mm -hmm. In terms of resources, um, as I mentioned, you know, we work in a hospital there, and uh, it is a relatively poor area. It is a very poor area. And uh, so we needed equipment. And there was one particular piece of equipment, um, it may not mean anything to you here, but some of you probably have had laparoscopic surgery. We needed laparoscopic equipment mm-hmm. for, for doing surgery, and the equipment that they had was over 20 years old and was really quite obsolete, like just not, not good enough. And I thought, Lord, uh, how are we going to get the money to, to buy this equipment, it's quite expensive. And uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, somebody had made a, a, a very big and generous donation to our missionary fund with the Christian Missionary Alliance and head office here. And it's a person I had not seen in many, many years. And uh, it was almost exactly the amount of money that we needed uh, to, to buy this very expensive piece of equipment. So, uh, you know, I, I, I could just praise the Lord for that Amen. because I did not go knocking on anybody's door. God just send us the money. The second area in which the Lord has provided enormously was through people. And um, again, when we started working there, it was just Mary Lou and myself and David Thompson and his wife, the four of us. And uh, just as Rita said and others have said, um, the, the the work is plentiful, but the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It was just four of us. And a huge, big... Uh, need there a lot of a lot of need and unbeknownst to us again you know probably as a result of our prayer not, i shouldn't say probably but i wasn't we weren't specifically praying for this person we didn't know who this person was but this lady came to us from venezuela not canada where i come from not the us where he comes from venezuela she came to us from venezuela and uh, as a nurse and we just thought she's just a nurse But um, it turns out that this lady is an unbelievable evangelist. Like, she has really the gift of evangelism. She's amazing. She can engage with people. Uh, She would just go to the waiting room and just be able to talk to to these patients. Anyways, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, Just before I came here uh, to Canada this time in July, we had a patient where operating on this woman, uh, and she was extremely anxious. She was very scared. She was almost in tears, and we were about, the anesthetist was about to put her to sleep, and uh, she was just kind of shaking like this, and so I was holding her hand uh, because she wanted somebody to hold her hand, and I was just standing there. So, but I needed to get scrubbed, you know, wash my hands and get to work and start operating. And I, I, I was trying to let go of her hand, and she was hanging on to me. So I said to Eloisa, the name of the the nurse from Venezuela, I said, Eloisa, can you please come and hold this patient's hand here so I can get to work? So she came, she held her hand, and the patient went to sleep, and we did the surgery, everything was fine. The next day, Eloisa went and um, visited this lady. And uh, Eloisa, as I said, uh, is an amazing evangelist. She had, and I didn't even know she had this, she had the, the Jesus film in Arabic on her cell phone. And so she went to uh, the patient and uh, had the cell phone like this and started showing her the Jesus film. And while she's doing that, the husband, and I just have to tell you a little bit about the husband. The husband was over six feet tall. He had, actually, the day before, he was quite mad at the hospital and at all of us for a certain reason. And and he's a scary guy. He's a butcher, you know. So we were just... (laughs) afraid he might have a knife in his in his pocket in his galabaya anyways we he said what are you guys doing so Eloisa showed him and, and then, amazing and this can only be from the lord he said oh well this is very interesting why don't you come to our house and show it to us on the big screen tv and and we would like to see it so Eloisa went on sunday the following sunday and showed them the Jesus film in Arabic on their big screen TV. And I guess the, the volume of the TV was loud. The neighbors started coming in, one after the other. They started coming in, and at the end, they said, wow, you know, there's all of these things. You're, you people are claiming that Jesus is the Son of God. That's not what they teach us. What's going on? So Eloise said, well, if you come next week, we'll have a Bible study, and we'll talk to you about it. So you can see how, from just a simple thing, this is uh, uh, proving the point that there's no way that we could have gone to this butcher's shop and spoke, told him we're going to show you the Jesus film. Yeah. But you see how the Lord opens the door through uh, through the hospital.
0: Mm. Amen. So thanks so much for sharing that, guys. How how are ways that we can pray for you as a church?
2: Okay, there are many ways. Um, for me, uh, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to be doing when we go back. Uh, we leave here October the 19th of this year. And uh, when we went in January, I thought it was going to be teaching ESL. I mean, I was teaching ESL here at Bayview Glen for 10 years, and uh, God had another plan. I ended up being a project manager, uh, lo- making sure that. Our apartments were being correctly built, and um, and and so I, I did something totally out of my comfort zone, and so I don't know what God has in mind. He has a sense of humor, obviously. Uh, a woman among Muslim men working on top of the hospital, uh, so. We'll see what God has in store. Please pray about that for me, that I will recognize and know what it is He asked me to do. I need to work on my language some more. Yes. Uh, earlier I said uh, which means good morning, uh, and um, peace upon you. Uh, so those are just a few simple greetings that I have learned. I have a long ways to go. Pray for me that my vocabulary will be increased. Um, and also, Uh, my understanding of the culture will improve as well. Very important, thank you.
1: Uh, For me, in terms of uh, praying for me, well, first of all, I have to uh, thank the Lord that I was able to get an Egyptian passport, which is a small miracle in itself, because this way now I can go in and out of the country without a visa Mm -hmm. and without the complications. As you say, uh, as you said, Kevin, before, I cannot be called a missionary there. Uh, We are called international workers. I'm basically a doctor working in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But the other um, thing that that I need is a medical license. So I have been practicing there uh, for the last (laughs) six months. Uh, Now, not illegally. I'm not a quack doctor. I am a real doctor. (laughs) But I've, (laughs) I've been practicing under somebody else's license, which is very ironic because the person under whose license I'm practicing uh, comes and asks me questions because <laughs> <laughs> he, he feels I have more experience than him. So it's kind of funny, you know. It, it, it's a bit of a joke, but, but uh, all kidding aside, I do need my own license so that uh, uh, I can practice with, with freedom. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot of red tape and, and we're working on it. It's been six months and uh, we still haven't solved that one. Uh, so, for a medical license, the other the other area uh, for me is adjustment. Uh, yes, I can speak the language, but uh, as I mentioned before, I sp- I worked at Sunnybrook here for many years as a specialized surgeon mm-hmm. in in one area of surgery, and now I go there, and because of the, the the fact that there are not too many surgeons, I have to do things that are um, how shall I say I learned thirty years ago. So uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I I I have to. Uh, adjust to the new uh, increased scope of my practice and uh, i need god's grace for that uh and just to adjust to the culture because again even though i was born there i've lived most of my life here mm-hmm. and my thinking is canadian or western and the the eastern mentality is very different and i've been accused even there that uh, i'm thinking like a canadian so uh, I, uh when i go there i have to kind of adjust to the, the way of de- doing things with, with the locals. Yeah. And
0: uh, also the, the growth of the program as yes, well. Yes, the growth
1: of the program. And for we have two, sur- uh, two surgeons we are training right now, mm-hmm. uh, Shadi and Nair. And uh, we hope to, to accept two new, um, two new uh, candidates next year. So each year, we'll take two, two new ones. And hopefully, after four or five years, we'll start graduating them. Great. Awesome.
0: All right, I'm gonna invite uh, Wilbert Smith to, uh, to join us here on stage. If, uh, Wilbert's gonna take a moment to pray for uh, Sharif and Mary Lou. Uh, Wilbert is a faithful prayer warrior here at Bayview yes, Glen, so you know, glad nice. to have you up here. Let's pray
3: together. Let's join our heads and hands and pray. Father, we just thank you so much for Dr. Hannah and um, for Mary Lou, Lord, and for their answering the, the call to go to this country, Lord, where there is a lot of unrest. They have left a peaceful country, Heavenly Father, behind. They have left their retirement behind, and they have decided to follow you and to follow the instructions that you have given them to serve in uh, in this mission, this program. So we pray for them, Heavenly Father. First I want to pray, Heavenly Father, for their health. I pray that you'll keep them strong Heavenly Father. Give them all the health that they need so that they can uh, pursue this ministry that is so um, demanding on them. So I pray for Dr. Hannah especially Lord that uh, you would be with him and give him all the knowledge and wisdom that he needs to perform these operations Heavenly Father and to train these young doctors I pray that, um, I mean, bringing uh, physical healing into people's lives, the truth is that they will also bring uh, uh, spiritual healing into many lives there. So I pray for his um, practice, Heavenly Father. I also pray for his medical uh, certificate, that he, his license that he needs to have. We pray, O oh God, that you would open a way that this would be. Uh, would be approved very shortly that he would have the license to practice. We pray for his adjustment to the culture as well. Uh, He was uh, born in um, Egypt, but lived away from Egypt for so many years. And I pray oh God that uh, he will adjust to the culture there, that he'd be able to relate to the people as you want him to relate, Heavenly Father. I pray that he'll also get help from abroad. They need more doctors there to train the doctors um, in Egypt, and I pray, Lord, that you'll call out people from either Canada or the United States to to go to Egypt uh, to help in this mission. We pray for Mary Lou as well, Heavenly Father. You know that uh, she's a project manager now, Lord, but we pray. (laughs) that um, you would um, answer her call as to what she needs to do, Heavenly Father, uh, to serve you in that country. We pray that uh, you'll bring good friends around her, Arabic friends who can um, uh, minister to her in a sense, uh, bring friendship to her, and I pray, Lord, that to them uh, she would learn the language as well. So bless her in that respect as well, Heavenly Father. I pray for this couple, Lord, that you'll continue to walk with them, give them all the knowledge and all the wisdom they need to pursue this ministry. Finally, Lord, I want to pray for their children, who, who they have left here in Canada, their children and their grandchildren. This is the time of their, the stage in their lives when they should be with their, their children and grandchildren but they have left this Heavenly Father to uh, be obedient to your call. So we ask you to bless them, protect their children here. We pray that the children who grew up also to be close to Almighty God. Mm. Bless this couple, Heavenly Father, and uh, help them to walk faithfully with you, for we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Wilbur. Thanks, Sharif. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Mary. Thank you.
0: So what's the pattern? We hear and we, we hear and we Okay, until I get full participation, I'm not going to stop doing this, okay? We hear and we Okay. Guys, how else can we participate? I talked about the uh, the restructuring of the uh, the mission's mobilization team. Um, if the idea of um, planning and um, putting together a short term missions trip, if that excites you, come and talk to me. We want you to be part of our team. Uh, if the idea of connecting with an international worker uh, in a personal way, uh, emailing them, Skyping them, um, getting to know them, um, praying with them, supporting them, if that excites you, come and talk to me. We want you to be part of our team. Uh, the last thing is there is an opportunity that just came to us. It's a bit of an emergency, but it doesn't, Um, Okay, so let me backtrack. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has a ministry called the Children's Heart Project. Uh, What they do is they connect children who are uh, in need of heart surgeries um, with hospitals around the world. They partner um, a lot with the Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. Uh, And so when they travel from these different countries, we have two kids that are currently in need uh, in Bolivia that are coming to Toronto already from September to November. Uh, When they come, What they want to do is connect them with churches and connect them with families who can host them. So this is typically a six to an eight-week commitment. Now, I'm not asking any of you to do that. Uh, What we're trying to do is to probe our congregation whether or not this is a ministry that we can start to partner with. Okay, um, so the timeline is a little short for this one. We don't have to. They have got. They have some other options. But we're trying to see whether or not this is a ministry we want to participate in. Um, some of you have uh, remember when uh, Solomon and Mary were here, and uh, and and um, uh, Pastor Lucas and Amy, uh, his wife, the Coopers were supporting them. It's a similar thing where um, we would take care of this family, provide transportation, uh, housing, uh, food, meals, um, and things like that. So um, if that stirs your heart, if that captures your imagination, please come and talk to me um, so we can get a gauge for it, whether or not this is something. We need someone who would be able to coordinate this as a lay person uh, before we can move forward with this as a ministry. So if that's, something, if that's a way to get involved with global, mi- global missions right here on your own doorstep. Um, having someone from Bolivia, there's another one coming from Mo- Mongolia, another child coming from Mongolia uh, a little later on. So um, if that's something that excites you, please again come and talk to me. So guys, so, so um, thankful that we could have this time. Uh, we really hope that we can just, um, again, just increase our mission-mindedness uh, personally and corporately. We commit as a church uh, to keeping you informed, uh, and we just hope that you can commit to continue to pray with earnestness that God sends laborers into the field because um, the harvest is plentiful. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, again, just so grateful for this family of believers, so grateful for this church, the legacy that we have, the heritage that we have of, of being a church. Continue to stir in our hearts, Lord, as a church and personally uh, reminding us, Lord, of our participation in world mission, God, in global mission, that we at the very least are called to pray regularly uh, and faithfully for the work. It is your heart out there, Lord, and we want to love the things that you love. Give us big hearts, for the lost in the world and for us to, to lift them up to you in prayer. God, I thank you for this time. Continue to bless it uh, as we sing to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.